Hey, Vince, how's it going? I'm good. How how are you doing? It's good to uh, reach the... You're, you have a British audience, I assume, right? We're across the pond a little bit right now. <laughs> We've got a global audience, okay. but pre- predominantly the biggest uh, section is out of Britain, yes. Yeah. So welcome. Well, it's good to, to see the... you guys. Okay, you know, a little bit of diplomacy, international relations, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. And can you just t- tell the Brits a bit about yourself then? Yeah, so I'm Vince Dow. I'm a Gen Z Christian conservative commentator who, you know, mainly speaks on American politics and, you know, American cultural issues especially. I consider myself kind of the cultural culture warrior type of person. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I think we discuss a lot of the, the same issues. We have very similar things happening in our country with whether it's gender ideology, this whole concept of hate speech, you know, and, and the issues of things like, uh, you know, mass migration and all those different types of stuff. And so, I, I, I you know, I think uh, I think we could have a great conversation here for sure. Definitely. And what do you think of Alex Jones? Uh, I think that he's been vindicated a lot in recent years, you know, and it's very interesting because for and maybe this is just kind of the era I came up. But when I I remember when he first got banned from YouTube to a lot of conservatives, not all of them, but to a lot of the conservative media, he was something that you would never touch. It was like he was a firebomb too controversial. And then what started to happen, especially during, you know, the certain pandemic, whatever, you know what I mean, YouTube, um, a lot of the things he said actually started to become vindicated. And then now I think he's arguably become a mainstream conservative figure on the right. And, you know, no one is scared anymore to say Alex Jones is right platform, Alex Jones. And so I think it's a good thing for the Overton window and it's good for him, obviously. Oh, we lost you there for a few seconds, Vince. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I used to watch Alex Jones before he was deplatformed mm-hmm. and I wrote a series of books exposing the war on drugs uh, the, the role of the CIA, the Clinton crime family. Yep. And I learned so much from AJ. And I ended up interviewing some of the people uh, like Freeway, Ricky Ross, um, that he himself brought to the table. So I really appreciate, you know, the, the work that he did over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, Tucker Carlson then, what, just for, just for quite a few people in, in England have no idea who he is. Can you just explain who he is first, Vince? So Tucker Carlson, I, I think the, the best comparison I can make here, Tucker Carlson is a very prominent, you know, conservative commentator. He's on Fox News um, and he's sort of in the realm of being right wing conservatism. He's sort of that, you know, nationalist, populist, anti-establishment level of conservative. I, I suppose I'd probably compare it to like Nigel Farage in your country, right? Because there's the mainstream cons- British conservatives and then, you know, there's sort of the British nationalists who are you know, the, the the people who first first pushed Brexit and stuff. And obviously, Nigel kind of gets blackballed a lot by the, you know, the, I'm sure the UK Conservative Party. So if you took him and kind of made him into a, you know, commentator figure, that's basically who Tucker Carlson is. And, you know, he's sort of been that lone, true conservative, true right wing voice at Fox for the past few years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always seemed an inevitability because Fox News in America is the conservative network, but it's the, you know, establishment conservative network for the most part. And there are other good people at Fox, but for the most part, that's kind of what it is. And so Tucker was always sort of walking on a line. And for a while, they couldn't get rid of him because he was so popular. And he is very popular, but um, they've now made the decision. There's speculation as to why. But, yeah, fo- the most prominent uh, conservative TV channel in America has let go of its most popular anchor that is beloved by the people that's the short end of it 
How long has his career in media been then? What was what's been his trajectory? Has his viewpoints changed over the years or? Yeah, so he, I mean, he's been around for years. His father worked in the media. It's a sort of a long-term legacy family. But that's what makes Tucker Carlson interesting is that he is a person by his own admission that basically comes from the establishment, right? Came from the sort of historic political class. And, you know, for a while, he was kind of this generic Republican conservative. And in 2003, he was in support of the Iraq war and he had vicious debates about it, you know, defending Bush and stuff. In 08, he had his more libertarian phase. But, um, you know, I, very recently in about starting probably about 2014, 2015, he started to sort of have this ideological change where I think he got older, you know, he raises children and stuff in this country and he saw the decline of that political class of what the political class has done to America. I think that sort of in, ignited a spark in him where he, as someone who kind of comes from the elite now speaks up against the elite, very similar to Donald Trump. I would say that's probably a strong comparison there. So you've described two revisions of his worldview, two major revisions of his worldview that occurred. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the catalyst for them was? Um, I'm not exactly sure what uh, what the libertarian arc was. I was very young. <laughs> I didn't even know who Tucker Carlson was at that age. I think actually I was probably mm. in elementary school or so. Um, but I, I would assume if I were to guess, you know, starting in the later years of George Bush, there was a conservative sort of upheaval against you know that that sort of philosophy right the neoconservative globalist philosophy of you know right-wing thought the iraq war was failing we were blundering in the middle east domestically things were starting to go downhill and so i would if i were to guess i think that he got on each populist wave of the right so what happened in kind of 08 2010 and stuff was the tea party right and so that was the first sort of wave of anti-establishment conservative politics, we said, okay, cut the federal government, you know, get, we need to be true conservatives on fiscal issues. And then the second wave with Trump and sort of that MAGA populist wave was we need to be true conservatives on, on cultural issues, right? And so if I were to guess, that would probably be from what I observe in his career. Uh, it's it's really that he's kind of been one of the first ones to get on the wave when the right starts to realize what it's doing wrong. Um, you know, he kind of followed both of those trends, I, I think. And, you know, I think that speaks to him possibly thinking ahead or, you know, because in his industry, right, a lot of other media figures, they're, they're usually late to the curve, right? He seems to be ahead of the curve on these things. So. so what did you think about the alliance then between the Clinton and Bush crime families? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it speaks to the fact that there is a uniparty in the United States, right? And they'll, they'll disagree on minor cultural issues, minor issues of economic policy. But, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's a, a common belief that, you know, it, more or less, the, the United States is not really a country of people, right? It's, it's not actually a nation to beloved and protect. It's more so of just an economic zone, right? A, a, a market to sell out to foreign countries, you know, gigantic, you know, monopoly corporations. It, it's it's a, sort of this empire to spread around the world, right? You'll notice when on the issues that really do seem to matter, the supposedly conservative establishment, that would be your Bush family, the supposedly liberal establishment, the Clinton family, they really seem to uh, agree on most things. And, you know, the Bushes might cut your taxes, the Clintons might give you a little bit more benefits. But at the end of the day, the country basically heads in the same direction.
So in that within that corporate empire then, which vested interests do you believe have the most power? For example, the military industrial complex, would that be near the top? Um, it, I think it kind of depends in, in, in what sector specifically. I, I think in the modern United States, the most powerful sort of force is the new Silicon Valley type of money, if, if, if that makes sense, right? I, I think the you see how much power the tech industry has and how much money they have and it's new money and also because it's new money it actually is a lot more money than some of these like older you know longer like kind of normal businesses and stuff like that and you see the influence they exert they can literally control the speech in the united states right because we we have a first amendment by law right you 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 have free speech but if they control all the platforms where anyone here is like for instance this platform then they really are the ones with the power and uh you know you see some kind of offhand investment firms like blackrock blackrock is a big one in the united states where they what they basically will do is they buy up shares of corporations and just use that influence to push like a left-wing social agenda and and you know they're a big driving force behind esg and all that stuff so um i, I would probably say that it's this new technocratic sector that probably has the most influence in our country right now so what's your take on facebook twitter and tiktok and who owns them all? Yeah, I mean, I think that the I, I, I think that the United States should pursue uh, legislation to protect free speech on big tech, some type of declaration that like, you know, these are public platforms and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of those companies themselves, I mean, I, I, I don't particularly like social media or the era of social media that we have now, but um, I do think that it is necessary to use any medium that is culturally influential to spread our ideas. It's kind of a, a, a deal we have to make with a modern world, I suppose. And so I, I, th I see them mainly as vessels to spread our ideas, but also hinders the spread of our ideas because they have these guidelines. So it's a love-hate relationship. Do you think that Elon Musk taking over twitter is a move in the right direction uh yeah absolutely and, and twitter has been a lot better I, I don't think it's a perfect platform but you know he unbanned me obviously unbanned a lot of right-wing accounts out there so you know i i still don't think it's a 100 percent perfect platform but you know i i like elon musk I, I like what he's doing and trying to do with twitter and i i also think that th an underrated aspect of this is that um what twitter does will by proxy in my opinion impact what a lot of other media companies do because you notice this is a big part of how social media operates is they actually kind of take cues from each other banning of donald trump right they kind of all did it at once banning andrew tate they all did it at once and then you notice this when donald trump was reinstated on twitter what happened a few weeks later a few months later i should say facebook Instagram, YouTube, they all also end up letting them back. Like, so the fact that Twitter kind of is a leading role in that market space, I think is actually going to, if not make the other platforms perfect, at least kind of push the other platforms in the right direction. And so I think it's, uh, it's, it's very important. And Twitter, in my opinion, is the most important social media when it comes to politics and political ideas it's where they spread and kind of break the fastest so um I, I think it's a it's a big thing for our culture it's a big force in the right direction all right vince we'll get back to trump and tate but let's go to tucker then mm -hmm. so why you know for people over here like i said many are not clued into the american news why is tucker in the news so much right now 
well, like I said, he he got fired from Fox News, which was a, a big. That's like their their most the only host basically bringing money to the network they got rid of and the the spec it's it's not really clear as to why he's been let go there's speculation on a few different fronts um one potential thing that they're saying is a possibility is because Rupert Murdoch who runs Fox News head of Fox News uh he was not happy that Tucker aired the January 6th footage on his show and basically broke it down and saying hey this is not what they said it was and so there's speculation that that they weren't happy about that there's some that's saying it's related to his uh like this defamation lawsuit with dominion and there's some that are saying oh well there's these like tapes on tucker carlson where they're saying he was not acting professionally in the workplace or whatever and you actually watch the tapes the tapes they are leaking on tucker carlson as blackmail and uh it's inc- it's all incredibly benign it's incredibly normal so i think whatever these specific reasons which uh, we don't really know at the moment um, it, it's not really been made clear. I think it really, what it really boils down to, in essence, is Tucker Carlson is one of the only people on that network speaking truth to power, um, and because Fox News is, you know, they, they're, they're, I think, a, a positive cultural force. It's good for conservatives that it exists. In many ways, like we brought up earlier, is sort of an agent of the uniparty, an agent of the establishment. Um, you know, there's always going to, there was always that conflict there, and I guess the dam finally broke. That, that's definitely the answer yeah i woke up this morning and saw my friend patrick back david from valuetainment mm-hmm. had offered him 100 million over a five-year period yeah yeah what what is that something that tucker would contemplate i have no idea i'm not in tucker's mind um but what i will say is i think that if i were Tucker, i know it's sort of an out of left field thing right because valuetainment i i do they even have anything outside of Patrick, right? It's like one YouTube channel, I think, right? But, um, I mean, first of all, that's plenty of money. I think that money rivals what a lot of other media outlets out there would probably offer Tucker. Um, but the other thing is that it's already a very big platform on YouTube, right? And uh, so to my, my thing is this. I think that cable news, and maybe it's I'm sure it's the same case in your country, Cable news is a dying medium. It's it's dying very quickly. I I would estimate in its current form, it probably has about 10 years left. Obviously, old people still watch it. It still does have a viewership base. But I mean, you look at the video of Tucker, his his uh, his kind of follow up video on Twitter after he got released. It has something like, I think, 60, 70 million views on Twitter. And you look at your average cable news primetime slot, you get about 200,000, 300,000, a couple hundred thousand viewers. <laughs> I think that the actually, yeah, I think that the reach on the internet nowadays is actually bigger than it is on TV. It will be seen by more people. I think that the internet, in many ways, is more culturally influential of a force nowadays than cable news. And considering, you know, YouTube is, you know, the big platform and all this stuff, I, in my opinion, I think that would be a good move for Tucker to go to something at least that's on the internet that's on youtube whether that's patrick bet david's thing or the daily wire or he just starts his own youtube channel i genuinely think that could grow to be a, a bigger thing than tv news and i i think the the kind of forces you've seen in culture become prominent in the last few years and the way it's really been on social media not tv how, i mean think about it. how many new tv shows in the past few years can you think of where they've become these big culturally important things like yeah your legacy things that have been around for decades they're still important but it seems like everything new nowadays that's blowing up and everyone's talking about it's all on the internet right and so i think that uh tucker would be wise to come to our sphere here 
Yeah, the only time I ever watch TV is when I go visit my parents who are in the south. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and they, they still want, yeah, right. <laughs> they, got the, they got the BBC News on and they're exactly. watching politics and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah, and the, so... there is that demographic and it always will be that. But, I mean, you know, think of, first of all, time like we understand right over like eventually that generation sadly is not going to be with us anymore right um and then you kind of what happens at that point like none of us are watching tv so i i definitely think that the time is ticking uh, against cable news and also there's a lot of old people that are starting to come over to our sphere I, I don't know if you observe that on your channel but you know i i i have like senior citizens nowadays who come up in my live chats and i'm like i know i didn't i was like wow you guys know how to use this but they they're learning you know they're learning even some of them so yeah, our royal family, especially the Meghan Markle coverage, has really brought in a lot of the yeah. older demographic, especially from America as well. Yeah. So we're halfway through talking to Vince Thou. If you're anyone, wherever you're watching this in the world, Facebook, YouTube, uh, wherever it is, if you've got a question for our guest, please put it in the chat or comments and it will come up on our screen right here. So we've got one from The Last God. Let's see. Don't, you don't think newspapers do the same? Newspapers, you only know what they tell you. I think um, hip, hip, hypnotism of the masses through the control media, I think that's what The Last God is referring to. Mm. And the internet provides, it enables us to bypass, doesn't it? I mean, when I grew up, for example, it was the newspapers, it was Channel um, 4, BBC 1, BBC 2, mm-hmm. and ITV. We had like four TV stations. So yep. when I watched Gulf War One kicking off, you know, we had to accept that the news was telling us Saddam Hussein's troops were grabbing babies out of incubators and smashing them on the floor. There was no <laughs> alternative uh, viewpoint. There was no internet. There was none of that. So I think it's it, it's great that um, the internet has allowed us to bypass bypass the gatekeepers. All right, here's one from Sparky Steve. Ask Vince what his biggest fear is for society moving forward after the last few crazy years. Gosh, I don't know if I can narrow that down to one thing. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, the gender ideology, that whole movement, um, AI. That, that's that's a concern. Not enough people talk about what is that going to do to the world. Uh, just generally, the the forces of Satan just destroying the West. I I, I don't know if I were to give one answer. I, I guess. All things considered, maybe I, I might choose actually AI, which I guess is a little bit out of left field. But I just think about the way that it is going to fundamentally transform all of human society, even if it doesn't end like Terminator, right? I think of how many industries are just going to be replaced by AI over time. I mean, I, I look at the way it can already write stuff better than humans. So what does that do to the marketing industry, right? What does that do to copywriting, all that stuff? But AI is going to work in other ways. Eventually, it's going to figure out how to be good with numbers, good with math. Um, and so there, there is this sort of outcome, possibly. And, and also, by the way, you already see it in the service sector, right? How many self-checkouts are there? How many? I think there's some like food places now that are entirely, there's not a single cashier. Every single, I think, human industry, besides the nerds who are programming this AI, are going to be displaced, affected. And, and it's, uh, it's, you think of the impact that's going to have on human society. It's going to be a greater change to civilization than like the Industrial Revolution even was. You know, it's going to be that fundamental of a, a change and so many people are going to get displaced. I don't know what to do about it or what the solution is, but I, I, I might give that answer if I were to be honest. Do you agree with David Icke that AI is the path to a Hunger Games society? 
Um, what, 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 I don't know. What define like what, what would that mean? Like, what, what's the what's his logic there? So we'll we'll be on a prison planet uh, run by AI, basically, where the wealthy have their own areas completely segregated hunger game style from the masses mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i i i could see it i could see it for sure i think the the comparison i might make is like a brave new world or whatever where it's just people are basically totally robotic drones addicted to technology and just they're they have zombie brains that that's probably where we're headed patricia wants to know your thoughts on france is it not? It's not going to paper ballots. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not familiar. Are they? Uh, it, uh, it, what, do, you, do you know the, the context of the question? All right, let's dismiss that one. Let's go over to Ray J. Tucker's dad is ex CIA. Do you think his eyes were opened by his dad? Um, it's 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 an interesting question. I think that. I, 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 I actually, I, I don't know if I, I would say that entirely that was the cause of it because Tucker for a while just, I, I think he himself tried to go into the CIA and, um, you know, he just kind of did normal news commentary for many years. Uh, I, I, I think that it's, it's more so probably Tucker's own experience in the media world, in the political world, in the geopolitical world, right? He used to be that reporter that went over to Iraq and like, you know, reported on the, the news and all that. Um, I, I think it's really his own experience and his own brushing up with all these political characters and maybe a little bit you learned from his dad that really drove him into kind of the person he is now. Less than 10 minutes left with Vince. If you want to get your questions in for him, get them in the comments or the chat. Next one is from Ziva Amrita. Do you have any idea where the USA falls today in the World Press Freedom Index? I'm going to say it's about in the middle. Is it about in the middle? I have no idea, Ziva, if you want to put the response in the chat. But um, I'm, I'm going to say 61. Uh, let me take a wild guess. 61. Is it close? So what's your thoughts on Andrew Tate? You mentioned him earlier. I think he's an interesting cultural figure. I think that, um, you know, uh, he's obviously very divisive and kind of has this very like rambunctious eccentric style to him but i think overall the the issues that he speaks to were not manufactured by him in any way i think that um he speaks to a large generation of disaffected young men who are just fed up and then feel like they're they're forgotten by society which they are and so i i think that overall i i think the the impact of andrew tate is a, a net positive on their culture and i know people want to criticize him from the right people criticize him from the left i i i genuinely believe that overall the tate brothers are a, a net positive because what what fundamentally are they teaching a lot of young men to do other than you know, take themselves seriously, work hard, understand that no one's coming to save them, you know. Um, so I, I think I, I would identify them as a net positive in our culture as I would someone like uh, Jordan Peterson or, you know, any of these other, so to speak, people who try to speak to young men. Are you able to speculate on the motivations behind the arrest of the Tate brothers? Oh, I think it was absolutely a kind of a, a political hit job, right? Um, and you guys are in Europe. I mean, used to be part of the EU. You kind of know. Um, obviously, there were forces in the sort of Western region of the European Union that had a vested interest there to, you know, take down the Tate brothers. And I'm sure there were British interests, American interests, if I were to speculate. 
they are countercultural. They are sort of this force in the West that, you know, the establishment would not like. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the Romanian government specifically, if they just did it or they, you know, they got the call from someone. But I, I definitely would speculate that uh, that was the motive was sort of greater Western interests putting pressure too on, you know, Romania is a small country in the EU. I think it's one of the poorer countries in Europe. It doesn't have a lot of power to really flex on the rest of the European Union, right? So I, I definitely think those sort of forces are were kind of responsible and behind it all. And they took advantage too, because Romania has a little bit of a not so nice justice system, right? So um, I definitely think it was politically motivated. Yeah, and incentivized by liquidating all their assets. I mean, I used to live in mm -hmm. Arizona for 16, 17 years. I had some business interests in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And if I would have been driving around in Bugattis in Mexico and posing with, you know, like, <laughs> like the Tates have posed in Romania, yeah, I think that it would have attracted the attention from the local cops who are on very mm -hmm. low incomes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. People, in Mexico, people, it's a big thing. They, they, the cops yeah. are, yeah. Same in Romania, people on very low incomes, mm -hmm. got this Westerner driving around in these flash cars, yeah. flashing all of his money. And I think one of the functions of the justice system is to liquidate people like that and recycle it. You know, you see yeah. in Mexico, you see the um, local law enforcement, the leaders driving, flying around in these helicopters that they've been given to fight the war on drugs, taxiing the girlfriends around in them and just showing up. So it's, there's a lot of corruption in these places. Definitely. And, you know, I, I will say this about the United States as downhill as our country has become and in ways I think our, our country actually does stuff worse than a lot of other parts of the world. Um, I, I There's still not another country on Earth, frankly, I would want to stand trial in than the United States. Right. For even even if even though even with our justice system becoming more and more corrupted, as you probably hear about and stuff, um, there's just like you, you could not do that in the United States. You cannot arrest a guy and hold him in jail for in solitary confinement for, for three months on no charges, no trial scheduled. You know, like there are so many protections in the United States where you, you like it's, that's, you, that's against the law. You, you cannot do something like that. You can't have a preventative arrest. And, you know, the, the burden of evidence is generally higher for stuff like that. So. In Romania, you can't even have a privileged visit with your lawyer if you're in Yeah, yeah, you can't even, yeah, yeah exactly, can't even meet your lawyer. We've got to give a shout out to Captain Morgan. Some old people do watch the internet. I'm 90 and spend 10 to 12 hours a day on it. Oh, thank you. Captain hey, there Morgan. you go. Appreciate there you, you being go. here. <laughs> so, so your next question, Vince, is coming from The Last God. And it is, if AI does take all the jobs, will there be new jobs created or will we just now work and go into some sort of universal income? So it, it, it really may, remains to be seen. I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that. We can't envision what's going to happen. But um, I think there will be new jobs created. The problem is the new jobs created are all going to be tech jobs, computer jobs, stuff like that. And frankly, you know, those are not easy jobs. So you have to be a geek you have to be you know science nerd math nerd to really know how to do those things and so this idea that we're just going to be able to take all the truck drivers and stuff and turn them into software engineers that's just not realistic right because the reality is with as as evil of geniuses i think they are they are smart 
right? There's a lot, most people out there genuinely are just not smart enough to do those types of jobs. And so there will be new jobs created and I'm sure that they'll find a way to get filled, but there's definitely going to be this underclass of people who are not able to do this, those jobs. And yeah, they're going to have to live on some type of universal income or be displaced or I, I don't know what they're going to do, but um, I, I think that that's definitely going to be an outcome of AI if, if it continues on this path. All right, we've only got two minutes left. What are your thoughts on who's going to be the next president and what's the role of Donald Trump? So, you know, if I were to be totally honest, I'm, I'm not that optimistic about the 2024 election. It's not to say that Republicans can't win. I think if they approach the electoral system correctly, I think either Trump or DeSantis could win. Um, but my, my, my problem is that, A, the Democrats in this country have created basically a political machine where – so basically what, what, what has happened is ever since COVID, and I'm not going to break any YouTube TOS here, but ever since COVID – there's this new electoral system in our country where there's like early voting for a month, mail-in balloting, all this stuff. Basically, it's way easier to vote. Like everyone is, is voting. Everyone's turning in a ballot now, in essence, is kind of what's going on. Um, and the, the Democrats have sort of mastered the turnout game there because they've been built in, building it in for years. And so the turnout, turnout, turnout. Republicans, in short, to just give you the short answer, have not figured out yet how to beat that system. And so it's I don't think it's a matter of candidates, candidate quality, ideas. Biden's a horrible president. But unless we create our sort of political machine and turnout game to rival theirs, I'm not that optimistic about 2024, to tell you the truth. And I haven't seen the Republicans getting their act together. So and what's your personal opinion of Trump? And I, I love Donald Trump. I support Donald Trump 100 percent. So he was running against Hillary, wasn't he? And George H. W. Mm -hmm. Bush voted for Hillary. What? Well, <laughs> that says that says it all right there. Doesn't uh, what it? does that tell? Uh, what does that tell you about the uh, the Uniparty, Party? Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, do you think if Trump gets back in, then he'll shake things up a bit? I I I like to think so. Yeah, I think that. I mean, let's be honest. Trump in his career, and you see it in him, he's a very vindictive man which maybe that's not a good thing, but it, for us right now it is, right? Because there there is an entire political establishment in our country, as I uh, imagine your country, that just needs to be, you know, taken away from power. And I think that an angry Donald Trump, a Donald Trump who feels like he got screwed the last time, who kind of gets back into power, I think he could be a, a very good force, in, in my opinion. I think it's what this country needs. Yeah, these politicians, they just promise the world, they get in power and do the complete opposite. Absolute psychopathic, pathological liar scumbags. Yep. Well, Vince, let the viewers know where they can find you and follow you, please. And we appreciate you spending this time with us. Thank you. You can find me. Thanks for having me. You can find me mainly on YouTube. Just look up my name, Vince Dow. Uh, I also have Rumble, so you can find me on there too. And then Instagram is the Vince Dow. Twitter is Vince Dow TV. All of Vince's links are in the description box below this video if you're watching it on YouTube. We really appreciate that. Thanks, man. You take care. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. You too.